want to walk a little closer with him, shout hallelujah. A moment to stop and view the foyer it has turned out beautiful and I uh, thank everyone for uh, that has been involved in helping with that making it happen so many here at the church have been involved uh, from the demo to all the way to the finished product and we are so thankful and it looks beautiful Amen. Praise God. Today is Sunday, and it's the Lord's Day. It's Sunday, it's the Lord's Day. And uh, we are going to spend a little bit of time this morning um, thanking some veterans and honoring our veterans this weekend. I know Veterans Day was Friday, and uh, today's Sunday, two days after, but we're just going to take a few minutes today and thank them. Praise the Lord. And so this morning, um, y'all are stuck with me for the class this morning. So I hope uh, hope y'all don't mind. Amen. If you're glad to be in the house of the Lord, why don't you turn to somebody and tell them, I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. thankful to be in the house of the Lord. I'm thankful for the Lord of the house, and I'm thankful for the, uh, the rights, the freedoms, the liberties that we have. And uh, we had Brother Hans come here just a week and a half ago, and, and uh, he shared with us how when they meet in China, if they were to meet and have a service like this, they would have balloons. They have balloons all over the, the room or the building where they're at. That way when the, the military shows up, the police show up, and because uh, it's against the law to meet like we're meeting today, and they can be taken off into prison. One of their ministers that he baptized and con- and converted, and man was filled with the Holy Ghost, began to preach the gospel. He's in prison today, and he's been in prison for a couple of years for preaching this message. And so we have a lot to be thankful for, and we do take it for granted. And I'm honest; I'll be honest. I sometimes take it for granted. We don't even think about it. The problem is, you don't think about it until it's gone. It's kind of like you don't think about your toe until you, uh-huh, until it finds a piece of furniture. You don't really think about your thumb. You just take it for granted until the hammer hits it, right? Until it starts to hurt, you really don't think about it. But when it starts to hurt, all of a sudden it becomes very important. And I, and I fear that in this country, and I, I don't say that I fear is I'm always afraid I use this as a cliche, but I am fearful that there are those in this country that won't understand the importance of something until it's gone, their rights and freedoms. But I am thankful today, and I thank the Lord for blessing us with freedom today. Amen. (coughs) Thankful to be in this country that has rights and freedoms. And the reason I believe we have the rights and freedoms we have today is because there were some God-fearing Men and women that were moved by God and directed by God didn't all didn't all have the, the the truth didn't all have the I understand that but I believe that this country was founded on Judeo Christian principles the Word of God freedoms and liberties they called it the Great Experiment and it's still going and I'm thankful to be part of it Amen 
So we're going to go to the book of Philippians chapter 2. I'll just read a couple verses here. Actually, verses 16, 17, and 18. We'll read three verses. Philippians chapter 2. They were having an issue with the AV, so maybe they'll get it up there. If not, you have to read along in your Bible. What a concept. If not, then you'll just have to take my word for it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 16. Holding forth the word of life. Thankful for the word of life today. That I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy and rejoice with me. I may be a sacrifice of service, but if it brings you joy, if it's for the kingdom of God, it's worth it. I said it's worth it. Praise the Lord. Would you help me pray this morning that God would talk to us and, and then also the 11 o'clock hour. Lord, we give you glory and praise and we thank you for this opportunity that we have, God, this morning to come and worship you in spirit and in truth. This is a great freedom and liberty that we simply have to come and assemble ourselves together. Thankful that we can assemble ourselves together in this place thankful we can assemble ourselves and worship you in spirit and in truth. God, I pray that you would anoint the rest of the service, this class this morning, also the 11 o'clock. I pray that you would touch our hearts and minds and souls in this place and every visitor that will be coming today. God, I pray you administer to each one of them. Let the power of the Holy Ghost, God, move and breathe in this house in Jesus' name. And we give you all the glory and everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Uh, I had a couple titles uh, this morning of this, this lesson. I know this is an adult class, but so I'll probably be more in teaching mode this morning. But uh, I have a couple titles, but I'll give you one to start, and that's we'll just title this A Service, A Service of Sacrifice. A Service of Sacrifice. The United States, and I'll watch the clock. I'm right at 30 minutes. I got plenty of time. The United States is a nation that has long been blessed by God with freedom, liberty, justice, rights, and I'm thankful for all of them. Our founding fathers came to this country, to America, and, and I should say that our founding fathers and our founding mothers, there were a lot of great, strong women that came. Amen. I wouldn't be here today without a mother. Neither would you. <laughs> but our founders came to the United States at that time, America, the colonies, in hopes of religious and economic freedom. The number one driving force that brought people to this country was religion, freedom of religion, to freely exercise their religion, and the hope of prosperity, to have a better life, to make a better life for themselves and their family. When they came, they looked unto God. Many of them looked unto God for help and guidance as they, as they for all, most all of them, endured some kind of sacrifice and hardship. In 1607, there were 108 settlers that established a little colony here, the first uh, European colony, if you will, um, in 1607. 
There were 108 of them that established Jamestown as the first settlement in America. And if I've had the opportunity to go back. It's, they have a replica there, a little replica village, a little replica of settlement. Uh, they know about where it was at on the James River there, but on the East Coast. But they're not in exactly, you know, all the buildings and things are long gone. So everything is a replica. But they have documentation and primary documents that explained and maps of how they built it and what everyth everything was. And they described really even to the pictures and the signs and everything else in, in the buildings there. So they have a pretty good understanding of what it was like in 1607. And the very first structure, ironically, I think, that they built was a multi-purpose building when they arrived in Jamestown. Here they come. There's no one else except Native Americans here. And the first building that they built was a, a multi-purpose building. And they used it primarily as a church. And they had pews and they had a pulpit. And they, they would have religious ceremonies, services uh, there. And in, as you walk in the door of the Jamestown settlement, interesting enough, they, they had a couple of plaques above uh, the door, right above the door when you would walk in the main door. And the one in the middle uh, plaque was a, was a, they were all scriptures, there's three scriptures, but the one scripture in the very middle, interesting enough, the very first building in the United States as we know it in Jamestown 1607, above the very first door of the multi-purpose building that they used as a church, the first building had a door that had a scripture above the door and it was Acts chapter 2. Verse 38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. I don't think that that just happened. I believe that was divinely inspired to place there by the Lord. This country was founded upon truth. Not everyone had the truth. They didn't have the whole truth. But God, I believe, inspired the founders of this country and, and we have what we have today because God was in it. And I pray God will continue to be in it. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless America. If we, and if there ever was a time we need to pray that, it's now. America continued to be settled, mostly by men and women with deep religious convictions and a desire to have a spiritual and natural freedom. It was... William Bradford, who led the pilgrims in 1620, you know, the Plymouth, and we're getting uh, Plymouth Rock, and, and you, we celebrate Thanksgiving. But they settled in Plymouth, and, and the pilgrims uh, came to propagate and advance the gospel of the, the kingdom of Christ. From the founding of this great nation, the very first building that was built was a church in 1607. The very first scripture that they placed above the door was Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And then in 1620, the, 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 the pilgrims came, and they came to preach and share the gospel as they knew it, as, as to their understanding. Amen. So when people say this country was not established on Judeo-Christian values, they're just denying real history, what really happened. James Madison, who is the father of our Constitution, George Washington, we've, we refer to as the father of our, of our country. James Madison was the father of the Constitution that when... When they were getting ready to get rid of the Articles of Confederation, it was James Madison who put forth the, the, uh, the first draft, if you will, of our current Constitution and the Constitutional Convention in, in Philadelphia. And I'll give you all this history if you like, but 
Uh, I'll try not to give you too much and give you on over, put you on overload. But James Madison put most he penned the words and and of the Constitution and the Article One and Article Two and Article Three and Article Four and all the the articles that outline the powers of of the the separation of of, of, of powers and executive privilege or executive branch and the judicial branch and the legislative branch and and James Madison said we have staked the whole future of American civilization not upon the power of government far from it but we have staked the future of all our political institutions upon our capacity to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God I think religion, I think faith, I think God had a whole lot to do with the founding of this country. George Washington, known as the father of our country, said, It is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. George Washington also said, It is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of the Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly implore His protection and favor. Thomas Jefferson said it was God. Thomas Jefferson, who was not a religious man, I'll tell you that. But he said it was God who gave us life and gave us liberty. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed them only firm basis, their only firm basis, a conviction in the minds of the people that these liberties are a gift from God? The liberties we have are a gift of God. Praise the Lord. Ben Franklin said at the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia, he was 80 years old, he suffered with gout, and he's sitting there propped propped up in his feet, and there's men arguing over the rights, over the powers of the federal government versus the individual states. They weren't Republican and Democrats back then. They were Federalists and Anti-Federalists. They were, do you want big government or limited government? And he said, the longer I live, in a very heated, contentious moment at the convention, he said, The longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? It was at that moment that they took a recess and they came back and they said, let's work it out. (laughs) Imagine that when you turn to God, how God helps us work things out. Ronald Reagan said, if we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. He said, we are never defeated unless we give up on God and that freedom prospers when religion is vibrant and the rule of law under God is acknowledged. See, our founding fathers were really special. They were, they were very special. But our country is what it is because of our founding heavenly father, God himself. The rights and freedoms that we have that come, came from him. Throughout our history, though, the price of freedom has been paid by the sacrifice of blood, sweat, and tears. Brave men and women who have served this country in time of need, and when necessary, they've offered their lives and shed their precious blood upon the sacrificial altar of liberty. I'm thankful for that. The face of freedom is the face of every American who has in some way served this nation to protect what God has given. Thomas Campbell said, the patriot's blood is the seed of freedom's tree. We celebrate July 4th, time when Thomas Jefferson 
co-authored. He was not the only author, but he co-authored with, with several others, signed by 56 delegates, signing the Declaration of Independence 244 years ago in 1776. Jefferson wrote, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, God. Certain unalienable, that means you can't take them away, rights. And that among these rights are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And that whenever, whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute a new government. People don't like to hear that part of the Declaration of Independence. Ben Franklin also said the U.S. Constitution doesn't guarantee happiness, only the pursuit of it. You have to catch up with it yourself. <laughs> we have a generation that wants to pursue, they want happiness to be given to them, but they don't want to do work to get it. I'm telling you, we have a lot of people that they don't want to work for it. I'm, I'm going somewhere with my message. I, I'm, I, I, there is a gotcha. There is a, not really a got you, but there's a, there's a hello moment I'm, I'm fixing to hit in just a minute. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and they are endowed, given by their creator, God, certain unalienable rights. We'll kind of let the cat out of the bag right now. God gave us these rights. He gave us freedom. He gave us these liberties. This government has been instituted by God. Ordained by God. Men were, and women were, were used by God to give us what we have today, but our rights come from Him. But it is up to us to keep those rights. God gave us those rights, and I'm so thankful for that, but I'm also thankful for the men and women who have served this country and served us to protect the rights that God gave us. During the Revolutionary War, 35,324 Americans died to purchase our freedom. That's not to mention all those that were wounded or affected and lost homes. And 2,260 Americans died in the War of 1812, fighting Britain again to keep the rights. 13,283 died in the Mexican-American War. 620,000. 620,000. Thousand men died in the Civil War. Think about that. As we've lost more in our Civil War than we lost in all the other battles combined. How civil was that? And thankfully, it was won, and slavery was abolished. Amen. 2,893 died in the Spanish-American War. 116,708 died in World War I. 295,000 died in World War II. 54,246 died in the Korean War. 58,223 died in the Vietnam War. Not to mention the hundreds of thousands that died after from Agent Orange or even suicide. 383 died in the Persian Gulf. And over 3,000 Americans have died in the War on Terror since uh, 2001. 
You see, there was a price for freedom to purchase our freedom, but there was a, there's been a price that every generation, if you go through every one, every generation at some point has had to fight to keep those rights. We owe a great deal to every American who has offered their service of sacrifice to guard and protect our freedoms and liberties. Many have sacrificed to gain their freedoms and many sacrificed to keep our freedoms. John F. Kennedy said, let every nation know whether it wishes us well or ill that we shall continue to pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend and oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Elmer Davis said, this nation will remain the land of the free only so long as it is the home of the brave. And if you're thankful for the freedoms that we enjoy, that you enjoy today, someone once said, if you're thankful for the freedoms you have, thank a veteran. <laughs> thank you, veterans. I know there's some veterans here this morning. Thank you, veterans. God gave us some rights, but only our wonderful veterans fought to keep these rights. A veteran, whether active duty or National Guard or Reserve is someone who at one point in their life, they wrote a blank check made payable to the United States of America for an amount of up to and including their life. Not too many people want to give the government a blank check. Former U.S. Representative Charles Rangel said honoring the sacrifices many have made for our country in the name of freedom and democracy is the very foundation of Veterans Day. Winston Churchill, at the conclusion of World War II, he said, never was so much owed by so many to so few. We owe so much to our veterans. Bill Frist, former U.S. Senator, said the valor and courage of our young men or young women and men in the armed services are a shining example to all of the world. And we owe them and their families our deepest respect. We owe not just our veterans, but their families. Veterans who've come back with PTSD. And I remember sitting there growing up on the couch at my grandfather grandparents house and just as a kid and my grandfather didn't like talking about World War II too much to anybody but every once in a while he for some reason he and I connected and he would share things and tidbits with me and I remember I remember the tears and he, this is a guy that he was a tough man tears would come down his his face and he's he would begin to share stories and can't tell me that didn't affect my grandmother Hello? So you think of all of those that have served. No, Brother Krantz is teaching back there, but I think he said out of 19, 19 years in the service, I think five of those years he spent away from his family. Comes with a sacrifice. General Douglas MacArthur said, The soldier above all others prays for peace, for it is the soldier who must suffer and bear the deepest wounds and, and scars of war. I tell people, you need to be careful who you vote for. <laughs> a little late now, but um, since election was last week. Because you got people there that don't, they don't have an appreciation. 
vote somebody in that doesn't care. They can send off somebody else's son. doesn't bother them. They don't want to send off their own. I need, we, pray, we should pray for our leaders, by the way. Pray that God give them understanding and wisdom. Some of them need a lot. Because some of them I don't think have a clue. I'm not trying to get all political here. I got 12 minutes left. I'm watching. Maybe we don't, shouldn't post this. I don't know. President Abraham Lincoln said the brave men living in, and dead who struggled here, talking, he was speaking of Gettysburg, have consecrated it far above our poor, our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. You think of places like Normandy, the Battle of the Bulge, Iwo Jima, the Philippines. You may not remember the faces, you may not remember the names, but you can, we should always remember what brave men and women did to sacrifice to protect the freedoms that God gave us. Patton said it is foolish and wrong to mourn the men who died. Rather, we should thank God that such men lived. Thank the Lord there's been generations of men and women who have stepped up to the plate and said, I will defend the freedoms and liberties that God gave us so that my family and my children and the next generation can enjoy the freedoms and the liberties. <clears throat> Dan Lipinski, former U.S. representative, once said, on the battlefield, the military pledges to leave no soldier behind. And as a nation, let it be our pledge that when they return home, we leave no veteran behind. I fear that this country is losing its thankfulness and gratitude where we'll support people that have no vested interest in this country, people that have given blood, sweat, and tears are abandoned. Sorry, don't get me started. Too late now. I've already got the mic. Jesus said in Luke 15, he said, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man would lay down his life for a friend. I'm talking about a service or sacrifice. I don't know that it's possible to serve this country without sacrificing something. And I'm thankful for those that have sacrificed for us. Because we are the beneficiaries of the liberties and freedoms that men and women fought for and died for. We're also the beneficiaries, beneficiaries of spiritual freedom because of God's service of sacrifice. Galatians 1 and 3, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins. Can that we might be free and have liberty, spiritual. That he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Hebrews 9, 12, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Revelations 1 and 5, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, 
and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. I'm thankful that God robed himself in flesh and he gave himself at the cross. His body died. It was the greatest service of sacrifice. <clears throat> and because of that, we have freedom. The Bible says, he that the Son has set free is free indeed. Thank the Lord for freedom. Freedom from what? From what? Freedom from my past sins. Set free from my sins. The bondage of sin. The slavery of sin. The Bible talks about tons of scriptures. I don't have time to get into it all because I've got seven minutes and 52 seconds left. But I was a slave. I was a servant to sin. But God who's rich in mercy. He set me free. Oh, he set me free. Romans 6 and 22, but now being made free from sin. Everybody say, I'm free from sin. And become servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness in the end, everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is such an impactful message. I, I mean, this, this, uh, this verse, this passage here, that I could read it and just kind of gloss over. Let me, let me kind of just take just about 30 seconds to kind of dive in and real quick. But now being made free, I'm glad I'm free from sin. And become servants to God. Some people that have no understanding out there, and even times people come in here and maybe don't have understanding, and they say, well, you just changed masters. Well, yeah, pretty much. I was a slave to sin or a servant to sin. Now I'm a servant to God. And so they say, well, you've kind of, well, you don't have any, you don't understand. <laughs> I was a servant to sin, but but God set me free from those sins, and he gave me spiritual freedom and liberty. Now I'm a servant to God because I'm going to take up my cross and follow him. Why? So I can protect the freedom and liberty that he has given. That's why every generation since uh, the, the 1776 has had to stand up and say, we thank, we're thankful that we have God-given rights. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed. God-given rights. God-given rights. But every generation has had to say, I'm going to serve my country and sacrifice if necessary to protect these rights. God set me free, but He does put a responsibility and accountability on us. <coughs> well, Hallelujah. Galatians 1 and 3, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Wow. I was a servant to sin. No, long, no, no, I'm no longer. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a servant to the King of Kings. I'm serving his kingdom. Why? Because I'm trying to do my best to serve and protect and guard the liberty the spiritual freedom. I can lay my head down on a pillow and know that I'm right with God. My sin's under the blood. Oh, hallelujah. Hope this is making sense. Jesus paid the price for your liberty. But you ready? You have to pay the price to keep it. 
Just as there have been many that paid the price for us to have the freedoms and liberties we have in this country, but it's been awesome men and women serving and becoming veterans and serving this country to protect those rights. You see, there's two fights, and this is another title if you want to. There's there's really two battles for the same victory. There's two fights that have to take place. The first fight is to attain the freedom. The next generation is going to have to fight to keep it. Galatians 5 and 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Four minutes. Veterans, thank you. Thank you. For standing up in your generation to protect the rights and freedoms that God has given all of us. For we would not have those if it wasn't for veterans such as those veterans here today and the veterans that have gone on before. You see, the first generation, this is, I think, this, this is, a, this is an, a, a tr- one of those things, it's, it's a truth. And I think it's true in a whole lot of different areas. I think it's true for the rights and freedoms that we enjoy, but I think it's true in the spiritual world as well. It's just truth. You understand? There's, there's truth that transcends. It's truth. It's God and country. You know what I'm saying? Can I get a little southern? You know what I'm saying? I. The first generation that is unwilling to fight for our freedom will be the first generation that will lose it. God help this country. God help this generation. The first generation. I was looking back and Historically, War of 1812, Mexican-American War, the Civil War, all the way back to 1776 and Spanish-American War, World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam. I'm not trying to get all political whether we should have been involved in all of these or not, and I'm not, I'm not for, for, for death. I'm not for killing i'm not i'm i understand i'm not i, I would i want as a matter of fact the, it says one of the quotes i gave you is soldiers pray for peace because they're the ones that have to go war is a horrible thing but the first generation that is unwilling to fight for our freedom is the first generation that will lose it god help this country to continue to stand on judeo-christian values and principles Because the first generation that says we're not fighting for it will be the first generation that will lose it.
In the days of Joshua and Caleb, the Bible says when Joshua and Caleb passed away, the Bible says there rose up a generation that knew not the mighty miracles of God. They didn't understand. There was a generation. They didn't have to. Everything, see, they had already taken the promised land. They had already conquered all those cities. That Joshua and Caleb, they were going through and they were conquering all those cities. And they, they claimed all their land and the promised land. So you had a new, new generation. Everything was given to them. I fear that even in this generation, it seems like everything's given to us. A generation that won't have to work for it is going to lose it. You know, they talk about, I got 25 seconds. I just saw that. Oh, my goodness. They talk about people that win the lottery. Did you know a large majority, it's like 80, 90% of them, they blow through their money and they lose it all? They didn't have to work for it, so they don't know how to keep it. It's the same thing with freedoms. But I pray that there will be some people that will guard and protect and say, hey, I'm willing to serve and even sacrifice to protect what God has given me. For my generation and for the next generation. I want my, my kids and I want my grandkids. If God tarries, I want, them to, I want them to have rights and freedoms and joy and peace. Matthew 16, I'll close with this because the clock just ran out. Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, after me, I'm going to do it first. But you're going to have to come after. I'm going to give you spiritual freedom, but you're going to have to sacrifice and take up your own cross to keep it. Why do I carry my cross? It's because I'm trying to protect the freedom and the spiritual liberty that God has given me. He set me free. I can't save myself, but because but, he saved me. You understand, he gave me those rights. He's, he, he's, his blood is the only blood that washed my sins away, but I have to take up my cross to keep them away. <clears throat> you understand? He said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm not going to serve. You're going to be part of a generation that's going to lose. But you'll say, I'll sacrifice, I'll serve, I'll do whatever I can. For my generation in the next. That's you're going to find it. That's going to require a service. Of sacrifice. Let's stand. <clears throat> I pray I've shared something this morning. That, that has resonated. And will resonate and continue to resonate in your hearts and minds. I am very. Patriotic. <laughs> that's not. Apology is just a statement of fact. I'm a very, appreci very appreciative of, of the rights and freedoms that we have. You know, as a matter of fact, it might be a good thing for some people if they get, uh, they don't really appreciate what they have here. Maybe we ought to send them to a third world country for about six months to a year. <clears throat> and let them come back and see if they had somehow changed their mind. <laughs> let them go see what it's like to live in China for about six months a year and you can't pray and you don't have freedoms and liberties and let and then come back and then then let's 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 have a little conversation. The problem is 
They didn't have to work for it. So it doesn't mean near as much to them. But it means if it means a lot to you, if you're thankful that you've been set free today, <laughs> you ought to be thankful. Can we just be thankful unto the Lord for what he's done and for what veterans have done? Can we just give God thanks together? Lord?